So the last time we were together, we spent some time in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 5, where we discussed the return of Christ and how the dead in Christ would be raised and transformed into their heavenly bodies and caught up with the Lord in the air. Now, those of us alive would also be transformed and joined with the Lord together with those who had been uh, who had raised from the dead. And Paul made it clear that no one knows the hour of the Lord's return, but that he comes like a thief in the night. So he pleaded with the church to double down, be ever vigilant, ready, sober, children of light. In essence, they, we, are to reflect the love and nature of Jesus as much as we possibly can. And that's the message to all of us. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, Paul had said, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now, Paul uses a lot of Roman armor of uh, analogies um, in his messages. And he's going to do that again this morning when we, when we uh, pick up in Ephesians. Um, why is that? Why do you think Paul uses these references to the Roman soldiers, to the Roman legion? Well... I got a little video clip I want to show you guys. And it's basically just to kind of get us in the frame of mind of what life was like then, what the Romans were like then, what the Roman soldiers were like then. So we get a kind of a, an insight into Paul's thinking and how that might relate to the people in his day as he uses them as an example. So let's go ahead and do the video. real short, but uh, this clip is from the movie The Eagle. I don't know if any of you have ever seen that, but I thought it, it did a really great job of representing the Roman legion. And in this scene, we have a beautiful example of the testudo formation, which means tortoise in Latin. Ancient historians wrote about it. Uh, there are ancient carvings and artwork depicting it, and the Roman legion was famous for it. Testudo required precision discipline, training, and the right equipment. But when mastered, it would make a relatively small unit of legionnaires like that almost impenetrable. It was especially effective against missiles and arrows and flaming darts. Remember, flaming darts. We'll get there later. 
In Paul's time, the most feared and respected thing on earth was the Roman legion. They were an unstoppable machine of fine precision. The Romans had been building a society based on the art of war and personal combat for centuries. They had, a, they had perfected the weapons and equipment of warfare, and they had cultivated them into a fine art. Everyone in the Roman Empire and the known world instantly recognized these fierce warriors. They were a tremendous symbol of Rome's authority and absolute power. Their respect was hard-earned. They were the most disciplined, best-trained, best-equipped soldiers in the known world at that time. They were absolutely known for their courage and relentlessness and their ferocity. They were seemingly invincible. Almost every sizable community within the Roman Empire had a garrison of Roman legion there to enforce the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. It's interesting that Paul chose the Roman soldiers and their equipment as an analogy for faith, hope, and love in 1 Thessalonians. Well, this morning, I'd like us to talk about what the Bible says about safeguarding our faith and living it out in this fallen world. And once again, Paul is going to call on the example of the Roman soldier. You know, the Lord doesn't want us to remove ourselves from the world. We're called to reach out to the lost and dying world around us and share the good news of the gospel. So how can we protect our faith without disengaging from our culture? Interesting question, huh? I'd like us to turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul's going to show us. We'll be focusing on verses 10 through 20. And while you're working your way there in your Bible, I'm going to give a little bit of a background about the letter to the Ephesians. So the letter to the Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul while he was imprisoned in Rome. He had established the church in Ephesus around A.D. 53 while returning to Jerusalem from one of his missionary journeys. And after uh, beginning his third missionary journey, Paul actually returned to Ephesus and he stayed there for about three years. And at one point, Paul sent Timothy to be their leader. So Paul had an investment in the Ephesians. He had spent time with them. He knew the Ephesians. Paul didn't write this letter to address any particular problem the Ephesians were having. Instead, it was sent to be an encouragement to the churches in the area. He wanted to strengthen believers in the Christian faith by explaining the nature and purpose of the church. He talks about God's eternal plan, the exaltation of Christ and Christ's relationship with the church. He told them how God gives believers abilities through the Holy Spirit to build the church. And because Christ paid the price for our sins, we have, been, been, we have been brought close to him. They were a new community, a family, and were to treat each other like a family. As Paul showed them how they could live this new life um, in the world around them, Paul was going to show them how to live this new life in the world around them. 
Now, in chapter 6, verses 1 through 9, Paul addressed the relationship between Christian children and their parents, and then he addressed the relationship between slaves and masters, masters and slaves. Uh, A very common arrangement in the first century Roman Empire. At one point, it was estimated that 35 to 40 percent of the entire population of Italy were slaves, and as many as 8 to 10 percent of the entire empire were slaves. So beginning in verse 10, Paul begins to talk about how believers should protect their faith. So this is where I'd like us to begin this morning. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Paul begins the verse with finally, indicating he's about to close the letter, but has something very important to conclude with. He's just finished urging them towards Christian unity, but he knows this walk isn't going to be easy. In fact, he knows all too well the church is going to be in for a fight. Paul wants them and us to be strong in the Lord. This is not a fight we can do in our own strength. We're going to need the strength that comes from the Lord alone. Why? Well, Ephesians 6, verses 11 11 and 12 tells us, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That's why. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Why? Because this opposition we face is from Satan. The demonic realm is very real. We need to remember that we're in a war and our adversary is worthy. And we can't lay all the sins of the world at his feet. We humans are culpable too. But we do need to recognize Satan and his demons are smarter, more powerful, and experts on human behavior. They've had thousands of years to study and observe us. This battle is a spiritual one. It can't be won in flesh and blood or in our own strength. So we need to prepare to be tested by our enemy. To further extend our our military analogy, before going to war, every good military struggles to understand and evaluate their enemy, right? Stands to reason. Even Even the ancient, famous Chinese general, Sun Tzu, wrote in his book, The Art of War, 2,700 years ago, if you know your enemies and know yourself, you will not be imperiled in a hundred battles. It's important for us to know our enemy. And it's important to know who our identity is in, in Christ. Paul says the way to do that is by putting on the whole armor of God. It's no wonder he chose the, the Roman legionnaire for this illustration. When the legionnaire prepared for battle, he arrayed himself in his panoplia, his full armor, and everything that included. 
we too need to put on all the tools we have been given to wage war with the enemy, the devil. Paul wanted us to understand the power of the enemy we are facing and equip ourselves with the most powerful weapons at our disposal. Paul knew his readers understood the Roman legionnaire. He provided just the right imagery. The Roman legion, the most powerful force on the planet. And these soldiers were the most powerful image anyone could relate to. In verse 13, Paul says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Therefore, and when you see that word for people in my Monday night Bible study, what does that mean? What is it there for? What is it there for? When you see therefore, you need to ask yourself, what is it there for? Because now that we know who our real enemy is, we need to take up the full armor of God. We know what's coming and who's going to bring it. And with that intel, Paul believes it's important enough to repeat. The key to the Roman legionnaire's success in battle wasn't just because of his superior equipment. The key to the legion's success was discipline, practice, practice, teamwork, practice, practice, training, practice, practice. You kind of a theme there? In battle, each soldier positioned in a formation, and they locked shoulder to shoulder with their brothers. And when they moved, they moved as one body. When they defended, they held their ground as one. The Roman legion totally exploited the adage, there's, a, there's strength in numbers. But each legionnaire was also a force of one. Each legionnaire was also a force of one. But he was also part of something much, much larger. And when deployed in mass, they were unstoppable. Like the Roman legionnaire, we need to be able to stand on our own. But, but we are even stronger when we're standing together with our brothers and sisters. Where I am weak, my brother is strong. Where I may be weak, he or she may be strong. We need each other. Ecclesiastes 4.12 tells us, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A, cord, a threefold cord is not easily broken. Verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The Roman soldier's belt, that was called a cingulum, and this was a critical piece of equipment for him because it properly supported the scabbard for his sword and his dagger. It also secured all the other pieces of armor together. His belt ensured his armor was properly located and his weapons were always at the ready. It was the foundation of the soldier's armor. It was the foundation of the soldier's armor. It was, if it was worn slack, you can be pretty sure that soldier was not on duty. But when ready, he girded up his belt, he tightened it, 
and he prepared for battle. In order to stand, believers need to possess all the armor provided by God and wear it correctly so it's ready and effective. We need to wear our belt girded for battle at all times. And this begins with truth. What is truth? Well, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He also said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them in truth, speaking to the Father. Your word is truth. The word of God, the Bible, is the truth. It's the truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. The truth is no one comes to the Father except through him. No one comes to the Father except through him. Acts 4.12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is the truth. The other piece of armor verse in verse 14 is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate, or lorica segmentata, was attached to the belt by leather thongs that went through rings on the bottom to keep it solidly attached. It was anchored to the belt. The breastplate was plate armor. The armor was made up of many pieces of laminated steel, all bound together to form very flexible, strong, and effective body protection. It was the most prized piece of a legionnaire's issued equipment. It was renowned for its light weight, its strength, and its protection. The breastplate is defensive or protective. It's protect, it protects the heart and the vital organs and, all, and from all kinds of strikes and thrusts. When we walk in the righteousness of God, it is a weapon of defense against all those lies Satan comes up against us with. Eight, uh, John chapter 8, verse 44 tells us he is the father of lies. But in Romans 5.19, it tells us, for as by the one man, Adam's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's, Jesus' obedience, the many will be made righteous. The Bible declares we are righteous in God's sight because of what Jesus has done for us. We need to protect our hearts with the knowledge that we are declared righteous in Christ. Amen? We are declared righteous in Christ. God secured that for us on the cross. By Jesus giving his life in our place, the righteous for the unrighteous. There's nothing we can do to earn that. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. Jesus did that. Jesus paid that. So when the father of lies starts whispering to you about how unworthy you are, remember what God says you are. 
Remember what God says you are. 2 Corinthians 6, 18. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord God Almighty. We are sons and daughters of the king of the universe. You are sons and daughters of the king of the universe. Don't forget who you are. Verse 15 says, And as shoes or sandals for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The Roman soldier wore special sandals called caligae. And this was a, a special footwear equipped with spikes on the soles, kind of like football or uh, soccer cleats. It provided strong stance and balance, giving the legionnaire superior traction in battle and on hills or uneven terrain. The peace of God will help you to stand with your feet planted firmly in the word of God and stay there, especially during the heat of battle and while walking through rough places. Believers are ready for battle because Philippians 4.7 says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. There's your flaming darts. The Roman scutum was a very large, about four feet by three feet wide, curved shield with a large round metal boss in the center. And though it was large, it was very lightweight and could easily be held with one arm. His shield covered all his vital areas simultaneously and was used both individually and collectively to form a shield wall with his entire unit. We saw a depiction of that in the video. He could also employ his scutum both defensively and offensively by thrusting it at opponents and striking him with the boss. In a formation, this technique would be used to drive the enemy back and keep him off balance. This imagery reminds us that we're not alone in this battle. Paul uses the Greek word pistis for faith, pistis, in this verse. He's referring specifically to living faith, not saving faith. So how to uh, trust God's promises is what we're talking here. The power through our day-to-day -day walk. That's the kind of faith Paul's talking about here. In this fight, our faith in him is our shield. And when we stand alongside each other, we form a shield wall against the enemy. Oftentimes, the enemy would fire flaming arrows covered with pitch. And these arrows would cause a distraction in burning clothing and equipment. But these shields were quite sufficient at stopping the penetration of a flaming arrow. Paul likens Satan's attack on us to flaming darts or arrows. The enemy is constantly taking aim at our hearts and our minds. 
trying to plant doubt and lies and hateful thoughts. He acts through seemingly random events and, and stuff that we're going through, and then he subtly uses it to attack us with. We need to remember God's promises and trust in him to handle it. The Roman legionnaire would hold his shield up right up below his eyes, and his sword would be pressed right up against the side of it, leaving nothing exposed. We need to have our shields of faith up at all times, just like the soldier. Verse 17, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The Roman galia, or helmet, like much of the equipment of the Roman legion, was perfected in the gladiator ring. The Roman helmet was made of steel, often worn with a quilted cap under it. It had a distinct horizontal rib reinforcing it across the forehead. It came down low and flared in the back, kind of like a, kind of like a fireman's helmet, to defend against sword blows to the back of the head and the neck. And it had steel hinged flaps on the side to protect the ears and the sides of the face. And of course, the helmet protected the center of our consciousness, our mind. And this is exactly where Satan wants to attack us, in the mind. It's where he defeated Adam and Eve. He's had thousands of years to perfect this. When we allow God to control our minds, Satan can't get a foothold. And he can't lead us astray. The sword Paul's referring to, the Roman gladius, the gladius was a very different form um, of sword, very different from the swords of most of the cultures and countries around him in those days. The gladius was very short. The blade was about two feet long and very wide. It was designed for very close quarters combat and was excellent at chopping and thrusting. This is another weapon that was perfected in the gladiator ring. And it's actually the only strictly offensive piece of armor described by Paul. In Hebrews, the Bible compares the word of God to a sword. We read in Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Like the gladius, the word of God pierces the heart of us. It speaks truth into the inner man. The word of God convicts us. It can cut us because it speaks the truth. Sometimes the truth hurts. But it also points us to the one who can heal us. Amen? It truly is living and active. Back to Ephesians 6, verse 18 and 20, 18 to 20. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador 
in chains. Remember, Paul's in prison. That I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Prayer is the vehicle which allows the Christian to effectively wear the armor and wield the sword. Paul says several things about prayer here. First, pray always. Pray always. We need to make a regular habit of praying. Staying in constant communion with God. Keeping our phones with us and all charged up. Second, Praying with all prayer. In other words, not just asking for stuff. Sometimes we treat God more like a genie in a bottle. <laughs> asking, you know, rubbing and asking for requests, right, than we do anything else. We're so needy. But pray for others or intercessory prayer. Pray with thanksgiving. Pray in worship. Pray as a group or in corporate prayer. And third, keep alert with all perseverance. In other words, be on guard. Be on guard. We need to stay aware and remain sensitive to the wiles of the enemy and pray accordingly. And then last Part of that is praying for all the saints. We need to pray for each other and all our brothers and sisters around the world. We need to pray for each other. So in conclusion, let us remember the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes or sandals, which are the peace of God, the shield, the shield of faith, the helmet, the helmet, our salvation, the sword, the word of God, the Bible. And when we pray, make sure we put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God when we pray. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful, Lord, um, that you protect us, that you love us. We're so grateful to be sons and daughters of the King. Lord, you have no grandchildren. You only have your children. And Lord, help us to remember who we are and that the power you have and the equipment you have given us we pray, Lord, that as we leave today, that you would keep us mindful. Keep us mindful of who we are. In Jesus' name, amen.